like to welcome everyone to the Ready for the Draft podcast. I'm your host, Greg Schutz. This is episode 18 of the 2021 podcast series, taking a look at the draft eligible prospects and getting you ready for the NFL draft set to begin April 29th, just a couple of months away. We just had the Senior Bowl. We're going to be taking a look at whose draft stock really improved there at the Senior Bowl in Mobile and who has some work to make up. Tell you what, Jim Nagy and company always put on uh, a tremendous show there with the Senior Bowl. And I think, you know, again, he outdid himself a lot of talent in Mobile. We'll get to that in just a moment. But we're in unprecedented times. I really don't know what to make of, of what we're going to be seeing with this pre-draft process. No combine, so you won't be able to really compare players uh, you know, at the position, you're looking at more of a regional basis and really a lot of just individual pro days. So it's really the whole landscape is going to look completely different. And so everybody's going to be learning on the fly. You and I will be just the same as the players and the teams, unprecedented times. And so it's really going to be interesting to see exactly what this looks like. So with that said, let's go ahead and take a look at the Senior Bowl and who really made an impact. We're going to go position by position real quick, and then we're going to go ahead and start taking a look at my mock draft, what I've put together, my first mock draft. I've already changed it up. I've got one out on the website right now, readyforthedraft.com, have my mock first round, and uh, already making changes. There are, you know, And that's really the, the, uh, the brilliant thing about this offseason season is really all the different changes. We've got a lot of quarterbacks. You know, what's going to happen uh, Happen there? Matthew Stafford was the first domino to fall. Then you've got Carson Wentz. And will Sam Darnold get traded? Houston's saying that Deshaun Watson's not going to get traded. So a lot of different uh, different balls in, in motion and which one's going to drop first. Really, really interesting there. But Senior Bowl, first things first. Looking at the quarterback position, I think Mac Jones was in a class all by himself. Uh, you know, this was a guy who precision passing uh, was just phenomenal. And there was no way that, uh, you know, at, at the end of things, Mac Jones wasn't going to walk away as, as the best quarterback. I think when you looked at the, at the, the class overall, but the ball placement was ridiculous. You know, he was putting the ball away from defenders where only his receiver can get to it. And some of these out routes, you know, really, you know, the defenders, there's no way they can make a play. The receivers, right before they're heading out of bounds, you know, there are deep balls. There was one to, to Nico Collins uh, where he was able to go up and, and haul in a pass and, and, you know, there towards the end zone. And uh, I actually, it wasn't Nico Collins. I apologize. Um, I believe it was actually Trevon Grimes. But, you know, neither here nor there because Matt Jones, what was the precision passing was absolutely off the charts. And he's a guy, I think Matt Rule really got to see what Mac Jones was all about. And you know that the Carolina is looking to upgrade the quarterback position over Teddy Bridgewater. So what happens in a scenario where, say, the Panthers have... That number eight overall pick, and say Justin Fields and Mac Jones are on the board at the same time. Obviously, there's also Trey Lance in, in consideration as well. But Matt Rule's already shown that he's a very loyal guy. You know, a lot of guys that have played with him previously, they're at Temple and Baylor. Uh, you know, guys that he's really looked to bring in, whether in free agency or through the draft. And so now he's got a chance to bring in a guy at the quarterback position who played for him in the Senior Bowl. And you could tell just how impressed Matt Rule was with the play of Mac Jones. And so I think that's one of those matches, you know, matches that just makes a ton of sense. And so I think Mac Jones, number eight overall, sounds a little bit high when I when I say it out loud. But look, everyone thought that that there was no way Daniel Jones would get drafted number six overall to the Giants a couple of years ago. And really, when you look at Matt Rule, he stays true to his draft board. Regardless of what's going on out there uh, on the board, he stays true to his draft board. He showed that last year. And so I think there's a good chance that that's going to happen again. Now, guys that, that really struggled, uh, you know, Jamie Newman, you could see the rust that he had to shake off, never actually played a down there for Georgia. So he was wearing that Wake Forest helmet. Um, and so I, I thought he he struggled, you know, really just, you know, with any consistency. Uh, Kellen Mond, Texas A&M, look, he was up and down, didn't really know exactly what to expect there. Uh, Sam Ellinger threw the football a little bit better. 
uh, than I think people were expecting. But still, you know, this is a guy who you know, would look good at times, you know, probably looks good, you know, in, in shorts. But when you actually put him in the games, especially down the stretch, uh, this is a guy that struggles with some accuracy and, and decision-making issues. And a lot of it is, is between the years. Ian Book, I thought, was another guy that, that impressed. Ian Book, you know, someone on the, especially on those short to intermediate throws, was was dynamic it, with with the ball placement and being able to get the ball out quickly. You know, this is a guy who has some juice to him. You know, he's a guy that can make some plays outside the pocket as well. The deep ball accuracy, you know, really not not a huge arm, but I still think Ian Book is going to get himself drafted. Um, you know, there sometime day three pick, uh, but I, I thought that showing what he could do there at the Senior Bowl really helped him out. Uh, at the running back position, a lot of guys that really were impressive. Najee Harris didn't do anything uh, to hurt his draft stock. I actually have him going off the board, uh, number 18 overall to Miami. Dolphins need a running back. Uh, and, and Najee Harris, the best of the bunch, in my opinion. Brian Flores got a you know close eye uh, there with, with Najee Harris. Getting to coach him there uh, at the Senior Bowl. And, and so Najee Harris... Number one running back in my book, uh, but a couple of other guys really helped themselves. You know, Ramondre Stevenson. You know, he's a, a a big dude, but has tremendous footwork for a guy his size. He's six foot, two hundred and forty five pounds, and he, he he runs with with the physicality. He has that contact balance, but the the lateral quickness, you know, the the footwork is off the charts. But really, where I thought he impressed. Uh, during the week was with his pass protection. You know, this was a guy who was lining up linebackers who were coming full speed at him, and he did not give up any ground. To me, Ramondre Stevenson is a top five running back in this draft class. As is Michael Carter there for, for UNC. Another guy, you know, showed tremendous burst, showed his ability to catch the football out of the backfield, but the contact balance, I think that's one of the things that really jumps off to me I've got Michael Carter right now, second round pick, going to, to Pittsburgh. I think Pittsburgh, they've got a lot of the physical backs. They need a, a you know a change there. They need a different dynamic. I think Michael Carter would be able to bring that with his versatility. Uh, Demetric Felton, is he a running back? Is he a receiver? Who cares? The guy just plays. He, he's a you know a, a guy who was a receiver, started out there for the Bruins, converted to running back because they needed bodies there at the running back position. At the receiver position, he was leaving guys in the dust. Ran this double move. Uh, Thomas Graham didn't know what what hit him and uh, really just left him. And one of those things, too, to where he was coming across the field, running away from guys, the separation. Um, you know, whether he's a running back, he could be a Naeem Hines type there at that running back position, or as a receiver, you know, he's a dynamic playmaker. I'm a big fan of, of Demetric Felton. You know, a lot to like there. I think Khalil Herbert also helped himself there from Virginia Tech. Another guy that was a willing blocker, but he showed the power, showed the ability to catch the football out of the backfield as well. Um, you know, I'll, I'll tell you what, you know, when, when you look at, at the draft class with, with the American team, the running backs on that side, you know, they... Those were the guys that uh, you know really needed to step up. You know, Elijah Mitchell, Chris Evans, you know, Kylan Hill, Larry Roundtree. You know, and I, I didn't see anything that really wowed me. That really jumped off the charts there. The national team. Those were the running backs that really were were your headliners. At the receiver position, if we stay there with the American team, Amari Rogers. You, you see the explosiveness. You see the burst. Uh, I think that's one of the things that Cornell Powell was lacking. You know, you saw him, um, the, the juice just was not there. I think he's more of a possession guy, which means he, his draft stock's going to fall out of the first two days. Amari Rogers, though, to me, solidifies himself as a third-round pick, a guy that can definitely separate. Kadarius Toney, come on. You know, first-round pick in my book. You know, the route running was ridiculous. He was leaving guys, you know, just yards and yards of separation with his route running ability. Yes, he dropped a few passes, but look, you know, he was targeted 150 times there in Florida, according to Pro Football Focus, only three drops. So I think he's allowed to have a couple of drops there at the Senior Bowl. Uh, Trevon Grimes showed off, you know, the, the the size. I think he's probably a fourth or fifth rounder, as is Shai Smith. You know, a, a really nice burst for a slot receiver. Um, you know, he'll be a, a day three guy. I like Austin Watkins. I like the body, um, you know, big body guy, but he runs really well. Um, you know, and then Josh Palmer, another guy there at, at, at Tennessee. You know, a lot to like there on the American side. And then with the national team, I'll tell you what, you know, Nico Collins definitely helped himself. 
you know, this is the guy that sat out the 2020 season, but he's 6'4", 215 pounds. His ability to throttle down and, and and drive, you know, sink those hips and drive back to the football. You know, you saw that on display, and he's just such a big physical dude that it's really hard for corners to go through him to get to the football. It extends for that ball, and he's not waiting for the ball to get to him, not to you know to get into his body. He's coming and attacking the football in the air. He's the guy to me I think can end up being a second rounder, as is Dwayne Eskridge. They're out of, out of Western Michigan. This guy's a speedster, a vertical threat, and he was one of those guys where he'd run across, you know, whether it was vertically getting, you know, separation or coming across the field. You know, a lot of times he's winning at the line of scrimmage and he's running away from guys across the field. A lot of those routes, you know, you see Tyree Kill coming across the field. Dwayne Eskridge has a chance to do that. I have him coming off the board in round two as well. Going to the Cardinals, I think the Cardinals really need to, to get another receiver, a speedster. Uh, Christian Kirk not really working out there. Um, you know, hasn't stepped up the way that you were expecting him to. He'd be a, uh, Eskridge would be a nice compliment there to uh, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, Des Fitzpatrick, look, another big receiver there for, for Louisville. I thought he looked good. Um, you know, some big, uh, big catches there along the sideline using that big body, that big frame. Uh, Kay Johnson out of South Dakota State um, showing that he can be a, a, a guy uh, in the slot. Receivers that hurt themselves, you know, I thought Frank Darby uh, dropping a couple of footballs, you know, I think in the game he had one reception but two drops. Uh, that's going to hurt his draft stock. Sage Surratt, I had him penciled in as a top 10 receiver for quite a while there out of Wake Forest. You know, and really he and Jamie Newman, you know, that, that duo was lethal. But, you know, I think the rust definitely, you saw that with Jamie Newman, with Sage Surratt. He was unable to separate, you know, and that's really the big concern that you have. Is he just going to be uh, a jump ball specialist, the guy that you're going to put into the red zone? Can he separate down the field? There are big question marks there. What's he going to run in 40? That's going to be something to really watch out for. Ben Skoranek, another receiver that, you know, he wasn't able to generate any separation at all. Um, you know, I think Skoranek with his body, I, I'd actually like to see him bulk up, do a Darren Waller type, and actually become a tight end. Uh, which is a nice segue into the tight end position. Uh, John Bates out of Boise State seemed to be making plays all over the field. Hunter Long showing, obviously, tremendous hands. And uh, Kenny Yaboa, I, I think, is a guy that can be a vertical threat um, in, in a passing attack. And, uh, you know, you really saw that at, at Temple. You saw that even more so uh, at, at Mississippi, getting into that offense there with Lane Kiffin, able to stretch the field. Quinton Morris... Uh, able to get a 35-yard reception in the game, um, outran. I, I believe it was uh, Justin Hilliard uh, that he got behind, but you know the blocking left a lot to be desired. That's going to be something that's going to really hurt his draft stock. Trey McKitty, look, you know the the Florida State transfer went to Georgia. Uh, not you know wasn't asked to do a whole lot in the passing game, but this is a guy that is a good blocker. And if you saw in the Super Bowl what that told you with Rob Gronkowski making those lead blocks for for the running backs. You absolutely want to have tight ends who can block. So I think that's what's going to help his draft stock. Now, if we go to the offensive line, obviously the guy that helped himself the most was Quinn Miners uh, there out of Wisconsin Whitewater. Was a tackle there, uh, moved inside to guard and center. And I'll tell you what, man, this guy was winning every single matchup. It didn't matter who he was squaring up against. He was dominating at the point of attack. Oso Degazua did not want to see Quinn Miners line up over him. He was able to, to do a pretty effective job going up against anybody else but Quinn. Uh, I think Quinn Miners has definitely helped himself. You know, he reminds me a lot of Ali Marpet. You know, very underrated. Marpet had that nice lead block uh, on, on a touchdown there for, for Leonard Fournette. And uh, I, I'm looking at Quinn Miners, and uh, you know, I, I don't think the third round is out of uh, out of the question there for him. Um, very nice, uh, nice all-around effort there at the Senior Bowl. Really put him on the map. Uh, Creed Humphrey there, the center for Oklahoma, another guy who had a really nice week, uh, able to anchor really well. Uh, you know, he's a wrestler, so he understands leverage. Uh, really nice jolting punch at the point of attack as well. The hands and the feet match up. And so I think Creed Humphrey solidified his, his status as a day two pick. Uh, Cincinnati's James Hudson. Look, this guy wasn't really on my radar. And I'll be, I'll be honest, I need to watch more film of him. 
but I, I was really impressed. Very mobile, um, you know, a guy that I think is really moving up draft boards, a guy to really keep an eye on. Dylan Radens there at, at North Dakota State uh, was the most consistent offensive lineman there during practice. Uh, just very effortless with the kick slide. I think he, he does a really good job uh, in the running game. That's really where he's a, a specialist. I think he's going to continue to get better and better as a pass blocker. Uh, to me, I've got Dylan Radens coming off the board at the top of round two going to the Jaguars. Jaguars got to figure out what they're going to do with Cam Robinson. I think Dylan Radens would be a nice pick there. Spencer Brown, Northern Iowa, you know, had his you know ups and downs. You know, this is a big dude. You know, he's he's six eight. Uh, 325 pounds. You know, he reminds you a little bit of, of Makai Becton with the way he plays. He struggled a little bit with some of the speed at, at times, but you know, he's somebody who I think you know needs to work on that pad level. But when he really starts figuring those things out, he can really be uh, really be lethal. Uh, one guy who really, two guys that hurt themselves were the were the Bama duo of Alex Leatherwood and Deontay Brown. Deontay Brown just looks slow. Um, you know, he's 350 pounds and, you know, he really, he moves like it. You know, he got out into space and just, you know, he, he just looked awful. Um, you know, because of his size, because he's a Bama offensive lineman, he'll probably get drafted higher than he should. But, uh, you know, just the way that he looked, it, it, it was, um, you know, left a lot to be desired. Uh, Alex Leatherwood, look, he, he got beat. You know, uh, there was a, 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 there were a few plays where he just got runner, you know, run by, uh, Quincy Roche was one, was able to rip and, and pull and, and get by him. And uh, Leatherwood really struggling. You know, his hands weren't always consistent with, you know, matching up with his feet. Um, and, and, you know, he was lunging at times and just really had a hard time with the speed. With Roche, you know, he opened up right away and Roche just ran right around him, um, you know, late with the hands. You know, so that's that, that's a, an issue. I think he'll still end up being a second-round pick. I actually have him going uh, to the Cowboys. Um, I, I think the Cowboys can end up using him as a as an offensive tackle. Um, so that'd be something that you could potentially see. You know, he can also kick inside the guard, so he has some of that scheme versatility. Uh, Alaric Jackson, you know, revolving door there for Iowa. I think he he's solidified his status as a as a mid day three pick at best uh Deontay Smith though there for East Carolina um look he's 6'4 287 not the biggest guy in the world but I'll tell you what he plays ex- you know with excellent leverage I-, I think he may kick inside to guard I don't think he has you know the, the you know a-, a ton of length but it's definitely someone to keep an eye out for uh how about Drake Jackson Drake Jackson was a guy, you know, he everyone was talking about how small his hands were and how short his arms were, but this was the guy who was just ready to battle. Going up against Marvin Wilson, stoning him there at the point of attack. This was a guy that was physical uh, and a guy who I think is going to be a starter at the next level uh, despite the, the shorter arms. David Moore out of Grambling State showed that, you know, he belongs and, you know, he'll be a nice day, day three pickup. Royce Newman, is he a tackle? Is he a guard? You know, I thought that uh, you know he's kind of one of those tweeners, struggled a little bit. And then Trey Smith out of Tennessee. Uh, you know, this is a guy. He's big. He's physical. You know, we know his story. He was a freshman All-American as a tackle, then uh, had the blood clots and all of those issues. Moved inside to guard, and uh, you know, he's one of those guys to where when he when he plays with that that lower pad level and he can fire off in a hurry. Uh, you know, he could generate a ton of movement. The problem is, is that, you know, for a lot of these bigger guys, um, you know, they, they want to lunge, they want to lean, they want to bend at, at the at the waist. And that's really going to, you know, he's not going to sustain blocks. Guys are going to end up disengaging, getting by him. And that's what you saw there with Trey Smith. Really needs to work on that if he wants to be a starter early. I still think he's going to end up being a second round pick though, because there are some things there, you know, you can't teach the size, you can't teach some of the skill that he's displayed. The traits are there. Seattle, they need guards. You know, Mike Ayapati, uh, what's happening there? You know, you could potentially go tackle as well. Dwayne Brown, uh, you know, is getting up there in age. You're going to have to find his eventual replacement. Look, you know, Russell Wilson, I think Pro Football Focus said that he's been sacked 441 times in his career. Something, some ungodly number. Um, you know, that doesn't sound right. That sounds like a ton of sacks. Um, but you know, may have been hit 441 times. But uh, in, in any event, he's sick of getting hit. He's sick of going down so many times. And, and they need to uh, address that offensive line. Trey Smith, you know, I, I think would definitely fit the bill there for them on uh, on day two of the draft. Uh, now, if we flip to the 
to the defensive side of the football. I, I thought Quincy Roche had a nice, uh, nice week. You know, really showed some explosiveness, showed some nice hands, rip moves coming off the edge. Uh, Peyton Turner showed, uh, you know, showed some good effort, um, but he was one of those guys. I, I think he got engulfed at times and really struggled to, to get to the quarterback. William Bradley King was another guy coming off the edge. He and Janarius Robinson, um, you know, Janarius Robinson really had the had the most length uh, of anybody. Um, you know, he was, I think, the guy that uh, want, if there's going to be anybody like, you know, if we had a combine that was going to win the underwear Olympics, it may have actually been Janarius Robinson. You know, this is a guy, he showed up 6'5", 266 with an 87-inch wingspan. Uh, you know, his, his arms, you know, 35 and three quarters inches. So he's got these huge, you know, these really long arms and then 11-inch hands. This dude's huge. Um, but, you know, the thing with it is, is, you know, his play out on the field, very inconsistent with, with his play, but definitely a guy that, that measures very well. And uh, if we can get some level of consistency out of him, he could end up being a steal and be actually be a better pro than, um, than he was a, a college player. You know, Marlon Tuli Pelotu on the interior at U, from USC. This was the guy who just seemed to continue to push the pocket. You know, very physical at the point of attack. Uses his hands really well. Has a nice push-pull uh, that, that he was able to, to get by on a number of occasions. Cameron Sample out of Tulane. He's a day three guy to watch out for. Showed some, some nice burst. Uh, I, I thought, you know, uh, Cameron, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Carlos Boogie Basham there out of Wake Forest. I think he's going to end up being a first-round pick. At first, I wasn't sure just how athletic he was going to be. What was he going to show up looking like? And, uh, man, did, did he really impress. He was the guy that was continuing to get after the quarterback, continuing to push things up front, and uh, was winning time and time again. Um, you know, and, and I think that explosiveness, his ability to to turn the corner, get to the quarterback, um, I, I think he's definitely solidified himself as a first rounder. Um, I'd love to see him pair up with with Miles Garrett there in Cleveland, uh, have him going number twenty six overall. Marvin Wilson, really, you know, what's happened with this guy? The fall from grace. He was supposed to be a, a top ten pick. People were saying at one point. Now he's fallen all the way to day three. Just didn't move. Didn't really surprise anybody with any athleticism or anything like that. He, he just he wasn't moving guys um, you know, off the ball. Just he was just there. And so I think Marvin Wilson, he, he's got the traits. You know, if you want to talk traits, there's some traits that are absolutely there. But uh, I just I, I didn't see it. I think he's a guy that definitely you know, his draft stock took a hit again. Wyatt Hubert's just a fun guy to watch there for for K State. Flies around, you know, looking to make plays. Um, runs around with the, you know, his hair on fire. Um, you know, I, I, I definitely enjoy watching him play whenever he, he takes the field. Um, let's see, Jonathan Cooper. You know, I, I thought he showed a nice, uh, nice ability coming off the edge. A little bit more explosive than you would expect. This is a guy that just gets the job done. He's a blue collar type. Um, you know, not the guy that got all the headlines there for Ohio State, but definitely someone who's going to be a rotational player at the next level. Uh, mentioned o o Osa Odegazua had a decent week. Uh, Patrick Jones, the second. You know, this is a guy, according to Pro Football Focus, only 17% uh, of, of his lineup, of his one-on-one uh, -on -one matchups, did he actually win. You know, that's a little scary for a pass rusher. He's still 6'5", 260. Any chance at the first round has gone out the window. He'll be a day two guy. He'll come off the board in round, uh, round number two. Um, but, you know, a little disappointment there. A little bit of disappointment. Um, Ade Ogundeje, you know, I, I, you know, watching him, he's he's another guy. He's 268 pounds, moves very well laterally, um, you know, especially against the run. Um, still has a little bit to work on as a pass rusher. So I thought that was something that you really saw there. Uh, two guys from smaller schools, I thought, you know, were making names for themselves. Ellerson Smith, you know, out of Northern Iowa. This is a guy. Look, he's 6'7", He's 245 pounds. Um, you know, took an inside rush, got to the quarterback. Uh, he's the guy to keep an eye out for, you know, early to mid day three. Um, looks more like a defensive end, though, than a linebacker. I had him penciled in as a linebacker, you know, for a while. Uh, Taron Jackson, Coastal Carolina, he looked like he belonged as well. Uh, put up very productive there for the Chanticleers. He'll be someone to keep an eye out for mid-day three as well. Um, kind of reminds me a little bit of uh, O'Shane Zimenez coming out of Old Dominion. If we move to the linebacker position, um, you know, Baron Browning's, a, you know, he's one of those, 
you know, th those guys that you can't really put your finger on it, exactly what he's going to look like at the next level. Definitely a guy that you can put out on the outside, runs very well for a linebacker. You, you line up against not just the running backs and, and tight ends, but, you know, he and Pete Warner gave Ohio State some flexibility to be able to put their linebackers out there against receivers. So, you know, he, he's one of those guys. He'll be a day two guy. Um, some people were talking about Justin Hilliard possibly having the same thing, you know, the, and the same type of impact. I thought Justin Hilliard, uh, you know, he was the guy that was beaten by, by Quentin Morris uh, in coverage. He's the guy that I think right now, uh, you know, plays his best football going downhill. But if you're asking him to drop or to move sideline to sideline, that's where Hilliard still needs to develop. Uh, Tough Borland had, a, you know, he struggled. You could see the lack of speed uh, that was you know, painfully evident uh, watching the game and really watching practice during the week. Um, Chaz Surratt got to watch him, and what I really appreciate about Chaz Surratt um, in, in the one-on-one -on -one linebackers and running backs, he was the guy that actually he he ran by Khalil Herbert. You know, there were a couple of collisions, but a lot of those to where he'd slip those blocks and get by you know and, and if you know running back stepping up on the outside you want to see the effort and the effort was there but he was absolutely somebody that uh showed some nice quickness and, and some burst coming off uh coming off the edge there i think Chaz surratt's going to be a, a a day two guy and someone that's probably going to end up making an impact and starting early on in his career uh, you know grant stewart look for houston He's going to be a special teams guy. That's how he's going to make his roster. But, you know, he's a guy that flies around. He's a, he's a converted safety. Um, he'll be a special teams ace and somebody that's going to play in the league a long time because of it. Uh, Jordan Smith out of UAB, I thought he struggled at times to really um, – you put everything together. He's a guy that I think he's got the traits. He's six seven, really long as a as an edge rusher, but a guy who I think is going to end up being a late day three pick as more of a developmental guy. Um, if we look at the defensive backs, um, defensive backs, obviously, you know, one of the things that jumps off for me um, as I look at this group, Richie Grant out of UCF, obviously was was a big. Um, big jump this was somebody who you know in in 2020 or i'm sorry the 2020 draft he could have declared could have come out and he decided to come back for one more year and, and really richie grant didn't disappoint um you know this was a jim thorpe award finalist and uh you can just see the the experience just oozing out of out of this kid uh, a guy who i think has just continued to get better and better look he's 510 190 pounds um you know as a sophomore 108 tackles uh, had six interceptions, uh, and then he comes back this year. Uh, you know, last year people were giving him a hard time. You know, still ended up with with eight pass breakups this season in nine games. Had 72 tackles, three interceptions, another five pass breakups, and two forced fumbles. A guy who's just a, has a nose for the football. He's a guy that I think you know teams are going to have to consider there on day two. Um, definitely someone who is fun to watch. Um, at the cornerback position, Trey Brown really redeemed himself. There were some times where he was really high in his back pedal, which really messed with his change of direction. But you really saw him as as he was as he was going, he was figuring things out. Uh, Keith Taylor, look, he's 6'2", 190. You worry about taller taller corners at times. He looked a lot smoother than than I think you would expect. And uh, so when I look at Keith Taylor, I think of guys like like Lonnie Johnson and uh, Isaiah Johnson, some of these bigger uh, bigger corners uh, coming off the board in that round three, round four range. And, and so I think that's where Keith Taylor could end up coming off the board. I think he really showed that he can do that. Uh, DeMar Hamlin, I'm a big fan of his. Um, I think he's actually the best safety there at Pittsburgh. Uh, a guy who can cover, he can line up in the slot if you need him to, can play well over the top. Will also come up and, and tackle. Um, I thought he had a nice, nice week. Um, Hamza Nazaruddin, look, you know, here, here's a safety who he's 6'4", 220 pounds, and I think you know because he he has that that size, that height. He struggles, you know. He's very stiff-hipped, and I think that's really what's going to going to limit him. Um, and that was one of the things he wanted to see: just how fluid of an athlete was he. And that's really where I think he struggled at times. Uh, Thomas Graham, I mentioned, he got got schooled a little bit there by Demetric Felton. Um, you know, but those were some of the guys that really jumped out to me there at the Senior Bowl. Uh, quite a few guys, I, I thought. You know, look, 
we know that a lot of the guys at the Senior Bowl are going to get drafted. Again, Jim Nagy and his crew, phenomenal job. I would have loved to have been there, um, you know, especially with with COVID and everything. You know, I, I think you know they were limited in terms of who they're even inviting there. Uh, but maybe next year, you know, maybe I'll get a get an invite and go check things out. So. The, the, the time that we have left here for the podcast, I want to really go ahead and dedicate that to my mock draft. Take a look at uh, what I'm expecting to see, you know, take place. And honestly, when I do my mock drafts, I'm looking for what I feel is the best fit, you know, based on team need, based on the players, you know, what's going to be the the best mesh, you know, between those. And uh, when I first look at things, obviously the Jacksonville Jaguars, Urban Meyer, uh, you know, he has that track record of rebuilding programs. Uh, everything's been at the collegiate level to this point. So you look at him, you know, he's walking away from that seven-figure contract sitting next to Reggie Bush and Matt Leinart on the college football studio uh, studio show. But uh, look, he has nothing left to prove. His legacy's intact. He's won three national championships, seven conference championships, three Coach of the Year awards, uh, you know, coached a, a number one overall pick in, in, you know, with Alex Smith in 2005, Heisman Trophy winner Tim Tebow in 2007. Uh, but now he has a chance to coach Trevor Lawrence, who could potentially be a generational talent. You know, a lot of people are comparing him. Hey, look, you know, look at what Andrew Luck did. And look, you know, Trevor Lawrence, he has the size. He has the arm talent that you look for in a quarterback. Uh, does a really good job processing defenses, goes through his progressions, above average athleticism, makes plays with his legs. And then you see the leadership off the field. The intangibles are absolutely there as well. Uh, I think it's a match made in heaven. And uh, we'll just see what, what Urban Meyer can do to really build that team around his franchise quarterback. At number two, the Jets. If you go onto the website, you'll see that I've got Zach Wilson mocked there. And I've really gone back and forth in terms of whether or not they're going to take a quarterback. And it just feels like with Robert Sala and, uh, and, and Joe Douglas that they're going to build around Sam Darnold. You know, I, I think they are fielding some offers and that's some of the, the you know, I've, I've read with Bleacher Report that they are fielding those offers. But when I look at the Jets, you build around Sam Darnold. He hasn't had any talent really around him. He's got Mekhi Becton at one left ta- at left tackle. Now, if you get another tackle in place, you know, especially now that he, he'd be running Mike Lafleur's West Coast offense, I think he could flourish in that type of an offense. Get him Panay Sewell. Get him the tackle who, you know, look, you're already talking about the quarterback as a potential generational talent. A lot of people feel the same way with, with Panay Sewell. 6'6", 331 pounds. And look, you know, here's here's the thing with, with Sewell. You know, in, uh, what was it, 2019, didn't allow a single sack in 936 pass, pass blocking snaps and just one over, uh, you know, 1,376 career snaps in two seasons there with the Ducks, according to uh, Pro Football Focus. This is a guy, you pair him with, uh, with ultimately with uh, Makai Becton. And look, George Fant showed that he could potentially be a right tackle. So here's the thing. If you think that George Fant, you've got your right tackle, Panay Sewell can also kick inside to guard. I, you know, need I remind you that Brandon Scherf, you know, was a was a, a tackle there at Iowa, and you saw the power, uh, you know, the footwork at times, you know, wasn't always consistent. That's kind of the same thing with Panay Sewell. But look, you know, I, I look at Panay Sewell. You kick him inside to guard, and he could be a pro, you know, Pro Bowl guard right off, right, right, right from the jump. You, know, you, you think of Brandon Scherf. You think of uh, of Quentin Nelson at the guard position. You kick Panay Sewell inside. You've got three bona fide starters right there you know, in front of Sam Darnold uh, protecting him. That's really a great start for Robert Sala, Matt, Michael LaFleur and company. Makes a ton of sense to me. Now, when you look at the Dolphins sitting there at number three, you know, what, which receiver are they going to take? You know, I think that's really the biggest question. They get this pick from Houston uh, as part of that Laramie Tunsil trade. And, uh, you know, the debate, is it uh, Devontae Smith? Is it Jamar Chase? And, and look, you know, De- Devontae Smith, he's six foot 175, you know, very slight, but he reminds you, a t- you know, a lot of Marvin Harrison with his game. And, and that, you know, that combo there with Tua makes a ton of sense. But I'm going with with Jamar Chase here. I know the website says that I, you know, I've got uh, Devontae Smith. I'm actually changing this up, and I'll probably go back and forth a bunch of times with this. But uh, you know, Jamar Chase. You know, everyone remembers Devontae Smith. You know, 2020 Heisman Trophy winner. But Jamar Chase in 2019 with Joe Burrow throwing him the football. 
84 passes hauled in for 1,780 yards, averaged 21.2 yards per reception and 20 touchdowns. You know, that 20 touchdowns, it was equal by Devontae Smith. Jamar Chase hit that total first. And uh, I just, I look at Jamar Chase, he feels like an alpha, feels like a guy that's going to go in there for, for the Dolphins. And uh, Devontae Parker is a nice uh, secondary receiver, secondary option. I think Jamar Chase, you get in there, get a number one for Tua. Uh, you know, I know Tua would be bummed if, if his guy, if, if Devontae Smith doesn't go to him. But look, he'll still get his number one wide out and uh, you know, make things happen. Atlanta, look, you know, Matt, they've already said that Matt Ryan's not going anywhere. They're not fielding any trade offers or anything like that. But I, I think, you know, you have to expect that, that Terry Fontenot, the GM, and Arthur Smith, the new head coach, you know, if you're offensive-minded uh, you know, coach, at some point you're going to want to find the quarterback that you're going to ultimately be married to. And, you know, Matt Ryan, he's 35 years of age. He's under contract for the next two years. And, uh, you know, this is a dude, look, he's only, he hasn't sat, you know, sat through very many games um, in his in his career. So, you know, this is a guy, he's been an Ironman. He's been the, you know, a level of consistency there for Atlanta. And uh, that, that's going to be, you know, look, he's missed just three games since 2008. Hasn't shown any signs of slowing down. You can draft your quarterback of the future. Let Matt Ryan play out his contract and really see what happens after that, you know, where the chips fall. I think Zach Wilson is the guy. Zach Wilson, to me, is the number two quarterback in this draft. And to me, I don't think it's really even close. He's 6'3", 210, the junior out of BYU. A guy that, you know, the, the arm talent is, is off the charts. This is a guy that can sling it from really anywhere. When you think of guys like, like Patrick Mahomes, you're looking for the next Patrick Mahomes, and I think you have it in Zach Wilson. It doesn't matter how he's moving, whether he's moving to his right, moving to his left, you know, if he's you know, backpedaling, moving towards the line of scrimmage, he's throwing with a ton of velocity and the, the arm, everything moves all at once and it's very quick. You know, a lot of guys are very uh, deliberate with things. They're the shoulders square to the target and then the arm comes. This guy, man, he does everything all at once. You know, he'll be running towards the sideline and basically be be parallel to the sideline and then, you know, with, with those eyes down the field and then next thing you know, here comes the shoulder, the arm, everything comes around and so explosive and, and so quick with it, so effortless. Um, you know, a guy that can make plays with his legs. He was the reason why BYU was was so talked about during the 2020 season. Yes, you know the, the defense was solid, and yes, he had some decent receivers. But Zach Wilson, man, he's to continue to develop, continue to get better there at BYU. And to me, I think he'd be the nice transition there um, for the Falcons whenever they decide to move on from Matt Ryan. Uh, looking at number five, look, Cincinnati Bengals, they need to protect Joe Burrow. Joe Burrow going down to uh, to that knee injury, and yes, you know Burrow, you know he had his ups and his downs, but he still completed 64% of his passes, threw for over 20, 2,800 yards, 13 touchdowns, and just five interceptions. But look, you know the team led uh, led the league in sacks with 32 and hits, uh, you know at 72 during that time, according to Pro Football Focus. You know, and, and so he gets that that knee injury. You know, Chase Young, Montez Sweat coming off the corners. Ultimately, when he's trying to deliver the pass down the side, then a third D lineman, Jonathan Allen, takes him out. And so you got to protect your investment. Jonah Williams should be healthy. He'll be at one tackle position. I think you've got Rashawn Slater. Wherever you want to plug in Rashawn Slater from Northwestern, plug him in at center, you know, at center if you want to, at guard, throw him in at one of the tackle positions. You know, Jonah Williams has experience at both tackle positions, so you could really put in Rashawn Slater at left tackle. I think he could excel wherever you line him up. And you know, what I look at with him, if you watch the the game against Chase Young, uh, you know his, his junior season. It was near perfection. He was just—he was so smooth, very patient, very quick out of his stance. Understands leverage. That the, the, the strike with his hands—it was very consistent, right there on the chest plate, right into the inside. And even if if uh, you know a guy was able to, to to get those hands moved, the hands went right back. And you saw him generating movement. You saw him climbing to the second level um, on run plays as well. Uh, to me. This is a guy that does a little bit of everything, and uh, I think the Bengals would have to draft him if he's sitting there at number five, especially with Panay Sewell off the board. Uh, the Eagles, um, 
you know, this was a pick for me. I, I was trying to decide, is it going to be uh, Devontae Smith? Because obviously you know, you're looking at the receivers and, and you know, Alshon Jeffries yet to play a full slate of games since 20, uh, 2013. Deshaun Jackson has played in just eight games over the last two years um, in his second stint with the Eagles. They're both in their final year of their deals. Uh, you know, they're probably going to end up moving on from the duo whenever the deals are done. Um, they could potentially be, be uh, cap casualties as well. Uh, but then there's Zach Ertz, you know, and, and there are signs that are saying that Zach Ertz is going to move on. And yes, you have Dallas Goddard. When you've got Nick Sirianni coming in, a lot of those uh, two tight end sets. Um, Kyle Pitts is just a different kind of cat. You know, Kyle Pitts, uh, not only was he the Mackey Award winner for the top tight end, he was also Bolitnikoff Award finalist for the top receiver. So, I mean, when you think about that, there aren't too many tight ends that can say that. You know, 6'5", 246 pounds, mismatch nightmare wherever you lined him up on the field. Um, you know, the, the wingspan, the ball skills, uh, too much size for the defensive backs, too much speed for the linebackers. You know, the, the catch radius is just off the charts. And when, it, when I look at Kyle Pitts, you put him there with the Eagles, you, know, you can line him up on the outside and you can have Goddard as your inline and be just fine. Um, I, I think the Eagles could potentially go after a receiver in free agency, which would then free them up to take Kyle Pitts here with the number six overall pick. I think Kyle Pitts is a top 10 pick. I was trying to figure out where to plug him in in the top 10, and I think the Eagles make the most sense. I had him penciled in with the Giants, but I, I think the Giants are going to go receiver uh, given the fact that Evan Ingram was a pro bowler this past season, and I think that's ultimately uh, you know, Kyle Pitts going to the Eagles. Uh, the Lions, you know, I've gone back and forth with this. Will the Lions, I think the Lions may end up re-signing Kenny Galladay. Um, so I don't know that receiver would be their number one priority. Um, honestly, that the league's worst defense, they're 30th against the pass, uh, giving up, uh, you know, nearly 320 yards per game. Um, you know, Romeo Aquara, Everson Griffin, you know, they, they finished with 13 and a half of the team's 24 sacks. They're free agents. They may not be back as well. Um, you know, and, and so I, I look at Quiddy Pay uh, out of Michigan. You know, this is a guy, you know, in, in just four games, you know, yeah, he only had a couple of sacks. But don't look at that. Look at the 22 hurries. Look at how he was able to get the job done. You know, he was physical with his hands coming off the edge. Ben's, you know, if you haven't seen the three-cone drill uh, online, it's absolutely ridiculous how well this guy bends. But then he's also able to rush the passer, the, the speed to power on the inside uh, as an interior rusher as well. I think he, he brings a, a different dynamic, um, you know, and I think he's a little bit more polished getting after the quarterback than Gregory Rousseau as well. So I think Quiddy Pay goes number seven overall to the Lions. Number eight, Carolina. You know, and, and look, you, you've got Justin Fields on the board here, but I'm not going Justin Fields. I'm going Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones ultimately ends up being the guy here for Carolina. I just I have this feeling with Matt Rule. Uh, you know, he, he he's true to his draft boards, and he also stays. Uh, he likes having uh, guys that he's worked with previously, and he just seemed to be so impressed with what Mac Jones was doing at uh, the Senior Bowl. So I, I think Mac Jones ends up going number eight overall to Carolina. Uh, when you look at Denver sitting there at number nine, I think there are a couple of different areas um, where, where where Denver could go with this pick. You know, that, that's really going to be the interesting thing. What are they going to do? Uh, they could go corner. You know, Caleb Farley sitting right there, 6'2", 207 out of Virginia Tech. You know, sat out this past season. you got Patrick Sertan as well. Um, I think they definitely need a corner. Um, when you look at that, um, you know, A.J. Boye would able to would be able to, to move to the number two corner. Bryce Callahan still lining up in the slot. You know, so I think that makes a ton of sense. But honestly, you know, what's going on with, with Vaughn Miller? That's the big question. What's going on there? Um, you know, he has the, you know, he's, he's 32 years of age and uh, entering the final year of his deal. Um, you know, and, you know, the, the new GM, George Patton, um, looking likely for, for Miller to restructure his, his contract. Um, but now Miller is also the subject of a criminal investigation. So it's entirely possible that Denver looks to move on from him, uh, in which case they could bring in a guy with some versatility like Micah Parsons 
you know, linebacker by trade, but a guy that's really more known as a, as a pass rusher. You know, he was uh, recruited as a defensive end, really more of an edge rusher than a guy that's playing off ball. I think he'll give you some immediate value as that pass rusher coming off the edge. And, uh, you know, you can ultimately help develop some of those, uh, those skills dropping. Uh, I think he'd be a nice uh, fit there with Bradley Chubb uh, with, with Denver. Uh, looking at Dallas at number 10, I think they also need a corner. Uh, when you look at uh, the offensive line, you know I think you, you've got some questions, but there's a lot of money tied up with the offensive line. Why use that number 10 overall pick on yet another offensive lineman? Tie up more money there. When you're looking at that corner position, Tudobia Wuzie and Jordan Lewis could potentially leave in free agency. If that happens, then you need to find another corner. And, and I look at you know Trevon Diggs. He was taken with the 51st overall pick in last year's draft. Finished with three interceptions and 15 pass breakups. Led the team in both of those categories. I think you reunite Trevin Diggs with his former running mate at Alabama and Patrick Sertan. And I think that'll help shore up the back end of that defense. And, uh, you know, there's a debate whether or not Cal- you know, Caleb Farley, possibly even J.C. Horn. But I think that familiarity between Tre- uh, Trevon Diggs, Patrick Sertan, I think that's ultimately what's going to get Patrick Sertan the nod here to Dallas at number 10. Now, number 11, the Giants. I mentioned that I thought Kyle Pitts, this could be a potential destination. But I'm looking at Devontae Smith going to the Giants here at, at number 11 overall. Uh, you know, I, I think you've got, uh, you know, Darius Slayton. You've got Sterling Shepard. You've got Golden Tate. Um, what really makes a ton of sense for me, though, is you need to have you know a downfield weapon that's going to be critical to Dan- Daniel Jones' success. You know, and, and a guy that can really stretch the field. Uh, you know, a lot of drops there with Evan Ingram and, and Darius Slayton. So, you know, having Devontae Smith really be that guy that could stretch the defense more so than, than that Sterling Shepard or Golden Tate, who are quicker than they are fast. Devontae Smith. The route running ability, he just knows how to get open. He's so smooth. There's a reason why he was the Heisman Trophy winner and the AP Player of the Year. He's difficult to be covered. May not be on the board at 11. If he's not, then there's a good chance this can end up being Jalen Waddle. But uh, I think Devontae Smith going 11 overall to the Giants. Hey, that makes you know that makes a ton of sense. Which leads us to the 49ers sitting there at number 12. What do they do here? Is it Trey Lance? Or is it Justin Fields? And I think for the 49ers ultimately, you know, if they're you know, met with that that decision, I think that they would end up going Justin Fields in a heartbeat. Um, you know, and Justin Fields wouldn't necessarily need to start right away, especially if you have Jimmy G still on the roster. There's a good chance that the Patriots may end up trying to, to trade and get Jimmy G back. Um, but as it stands right now, I think the 49ers look you get their quarterback. You know get someone in there uh, there's still a chance that they could go corner you know Caleb Farley right now is still sitting there on the board um, you know Richard Sherman Akella Witherspoon K1 Williams uh, Jason Verrett Jamar Taylor all unrestricted free agents Emmanuel Mosley is a restricted free agent so position of need for sure Caleb Farley would make sense as well but if you can get that quarterback in there and get that thing really shored up um, you know, that's really what they need. Jimmy G's really shown that he's not the guy that's going to really be able to carry the 49ers to a championship. So, you know, they're looking to potentially move on at some point. Makes a ton of sense for me there. So, Chargers sitting there at number 13. Justin Herbert, we know, is their franchise quarterback. Finishes rookie season, uh, throwing for the most yards as a rookie, you know, 4,336 yards. Completed 66.6% of his passes, uh, 31 touchdowns, just 10 interceptions. Uh, actually, I, I, I apologize. The yardage was second all-time among rookies, just 37 yards behind Andrew Luck at the top. The completion percentage, second only to Dak Prescott at 67.8. Is the interception total tied up for Russell Wilson for the fourth lowest? And that 31 touchdowns, those were the most of any rookie quarterback in history. So when you think about that, you know, you have to protect him, right? And you look at the offensive line, uh, you know, there are a lot of moving parts here. And ultimately, Brian Balaga played some at, at left tackle. He's a right tackle. Let's get him over on the right side. Trey Pipkins is still a project. You can't rely on him. 
Uh, Christian Derrissaw, I thought, you know, was a guy that looks to be one of the best pure pass blockers in this draft. Very smooth, very effortless with the kick slide, uh, moves well laterally, can generate some movement in the running game as well for Austin Eckler. To me, this makes too much sense. Whoever the top offensive tackle is going to be on the board, that's who the Chargers take. In this case, I think it's going to be Derrissaw. Vikings at number 14. Well, when you look at the Vikings, you know, a ton of offensive line picks already, you know, and they've got two in the second round, Brian O'Neill in 2018, Ezra Cleveland in 2020, a first rounder on Garrett Bradbury in 2019. Would they really turn around and do it again? I know a lot of mock drafts have offensive linemen coming here. I, I just, I can't really put my finger on that. Could they do that? You know, depending on what happens with Riley Reef, you know, it, it's entirely possible, but I think they, they have to address that pass rush. I know Daniil Hunter had to set out the 2020 season due to a neck injury. Um, they tried to beef up their pass rush by bringing in Yannick Ngakwe. Um, had five sacks in six games. He was then traded to Baltimore. Uh, his sack total still ended up leading the Vikings at season's end, and he did that in six games. Uh, DJ Warnham looks like he could be a promising rookie, but you know, Fetty uh, Odenabo uh, took a major step back. Uh, that duo manages six and a half sacks between the two of them. Uh, and the team as a whole finished with you know 28th in the league, getting to the quarterback just 23 times. So I, I think you know getting Gregory Rousseau. Look, I know that he's a you know was a redshirt freshman. That was his only year that he played at Miami, and you know he's still very raw as a pass rusher. But what's scary is is you know the physical traits are absolutely there. He's a converted receiver for goodness sakes. You know and he, he's 6'7", 200, 256 pounds, tremendous length. A guy that uh, you know can get to the quarterback in a hurry. I think Minnesota would love to have him fall to them there at, uh, at number 14, which then takes us to number 15 and the New England Patriots. And uh, I had them penciled in taking Micah Parsons. You know, they could still end up taking a linebacker, potentially a receiver. You know, Jalen Waddle would be sitting there as well. But look, the quarterback position, you know, we, we know, you know Cam Newton, that whole experiment didn't work out. Jarrett Stidham proved that he's not a starter at the next level. Um, I think at the end of the day, Trey Lance is going to end up being their guy. You know, I think they bring in Trey Lance, especially because, look, you've already done that with a, a running quarterback who can throw in terms of, of Cam Newton. Um, you know, you look at Trey Lance, I mentioned the running quarterback, 1,100 yards on the ground, a guy that definitely gets after it. Um, you know, long strider, just like, uh, like uh, Trevor Lawrence. And look, 2019 had a full season, played in just one game against Central Arkansas in 2020, struggled at the beginning and really, you know, hit his groove in the second half. But uh, 2019 was really where he burst onto the scene. Over 2,700 yards through the air on 66.9% passing, uh, 28 touchdowns, zero interceptions. And look, you know, Bill Belichick, he can develop a quarterback now. I mean, you look, you see what he did with Tom Brady. You look at Trey Lance, he's going to need some seasoning. You know, I think that's one of the things that you are going to see there is, is this is a guy you know, just one year at the quarterback position. But you know, when you talk about the ceiling, you know, this guy's got a huge ceiling, and, and I think the Patriots would love to have him fall to them. You know, the Patriots, hey, if, if the draft works out this way, they won't have to trade up to get a quarterback. I think you know there's a win-win there. You know, also they won't even have to trade, you know, uh, trade for a quarterback either. You know, especially if Trey Lance can just fall to them there uh, with the 15th overall pick. And then finally at 16, um, I had them taking uh, Aziz Ojulari here. Um, and I think that does make a ton of sense because you've got Hassan Reddick and Marcus Golden, um, both free agents. You know, it makes sense to get Ojulari in there to play opposite Chandler, Chandler Jones, ultimately take over for him. Um, if Hassan Reddick gets re-signed, then obviously you transition elsewhere. And really, I think the bigger need um, right now is still at the cornerback position because you have a couple of corners over the age of 30, Patrick Peterson and Drake Kirkpatrick, both free agents. Peterson, look, he spent all 10 years of his career um, with Arizona, so it's possible he tests the free agent market to really see what he's got there. And look, Kirkpatrick looks to be just a one-year rental uh, after Robert Alford you know, tore his uh, pectoral muscle before the season. I think Byron Murphy's a, a keeper. And, uh, you know, you go out, you get the, the best corner that's on the board. And in this case, uh, you know, they'd be ecstatic if it's actually Caleb Farley that falls there and not J, you know, J.C. Horn. Look, I, I think J.C. Horn can end up being, you know, corner cornerback one in this draft. I think he'd be CB1 in, in this draft. And the reason why I say that is he is so physical. 
Um, he can play you know, man coverage or in the zone. Um, but I, you look at, at Caleb Farley, just the athleticism, you know, the ability, um, you know, the, the knack just driving on the football. This is a dude, um, yes, he sat out the 2020 season due to the COVID protocols. Um, you know, there will be a little bit of rust for him to knock off, but you know, he has the size, the athleticism, the physicality to be a press corner. Um, you know, and I think he's capable of taking over that number one corner spot in the event Patrick Peterson leaves. Um, but like I said, J.C. Horn, you know, you, you can't go wrong either way at that cornerback position. Will Farley fall? You know, ultimately, you got to see what he looks like after sitting out. You know, this was a guy who, you know, really, you know, I would have loved to have seen him play one more year. But you see him, he sticks like glue to his receivers. Um, they're off the edge. And, uh, you know, look, you know, these are all three talented corners. Um, you know, they deserve to come off the board in the top half of round number one. All the hypes around uh, Sertan and, and especially Farley. Um, so, care, you know, the Cardinals, at the end of the day, if those two guys come off the board early, they may end up getting a steal at the end of the day, landing J.C. Horn with this pick. So, we're going to continue to go here, see if we can get at least in the top 20 before we go ahead and call it a podcast. So we look at Vegas. So Las Vegas Raiders sitting there at number 17 overall. I think they could go in a couple of different directions here with this pick. You know, I, I know that they need a defensive tackle desperately. Um, I think Christian Barmore definitely looks the part, especially you know how dominant he was in the college football playoff national championship game. Uh, you know, Justin Fields seemed you know like he had uh, you know 58 in his face all day long. Um, you know, look, uh, Max, you know Crosby set the pace for the Raiders. Uh, you know, they had just 24 sacks, but you know Crosby led the team with seven sacks. Cleveland Furl struggled to get to the quarterback, only had two sacks on the day. Um, you know, I think Quiddy Pay, Gregory Rousseau, Aziz Ojolari, all in, in play here at number 17. If you know Pay and, and Rousseau fall, Ojolari likely to be on the board here. But uh, I'm actually going to go in a different direction. You know, Vegas did invest in their linebackers uh, last season. They brought in uh, Nick Krakowski and uh, you know Corey Littleton, and I think uh, you know Krakowski. You know, did a decent job in coverage. Littleton struggled mightily in 2020. Gus Bradley comes in, brings in that cover three defense. Littleton has a chance to redeem himself. And I think if you add in the Buckus Award winner, Jeremiah Wusukoromoa, uh, add him to the mix, allows them to improve the overall athleticism of the linebacking core. Uh, maybe undersized, but that sideline to sideline ability, that knack for getting to the quarterback, one of the most athletic linebackers in coverage as well can line up on the outside, play the receiver, running back, tight end, whatever you're asking him to do. And oh, by the way, Mike Mayock, before he took over as the GM of the Raiders, he was the color guy there for, for Notre Dame. So he knows a thing or two about fighting Irish players. And I think he'll have his eye there on Owusu Koromoa here at the number 17 overall pick. Miami sitting there at 18. Come on. Najee Harris, this is just a match made in heaven. When you look at that running back position, Miles Gaskin, Salvan Ahmed, you know, it's nothing really to write home about. I think Miles Gaskin is going to be a nice complimentary back to Najee Harris. But man, come on. You know, the most complete back in this year's draft, the power, the contact balance between the tackles, the speed and athleticism on the perimeter, he's not only going to run by you, he'll also jump over you. Sorry, my you know, my condolences to, to Nick McLeod, uh, you know, who basically you know, Najee Harris scaled in, in a single bound, jumping over him and never broke stride. Then he displays the soft hands in the passing game. And then the, the understanding of his role in pass protection as well. I think, you know, you look at what Je uh, Josh Jacobs did coming off the board in round one for the Raiders, became an instant star. I think Najee Harris, another Crimson Tide running back, is going to follow that trend. So then when you, you know, after that, we get to the Washington football team. And I'm telling you, I'm looking at Zaven Collins. He's the, you know, the Nagurski Award winner, the Bitneric Award winner for a reason. And I think when you look at Washington, you know, the Washington football team, there, there are some other, some other needs. What's going to happen at that quarterback position? I think they ultimately end up looking elsewhere. Although, you know, if Trey Lance were to fall to them, you know, or possibly Mac Jones, those would be definitely under consideration as, uh, you know, Alex Smith. Obviously, the comeback player of the year, but he's not the long-term answer for the franchise. Um, 
So I, I think receiver is definitely a possibility. You look at, uh, at Terry McLaurin, you know, definitely, you know, over a thousand yards this past season. Um, definitely a, a stud there. Logan Thomas, the converted quarterback out of Virginia Tech, one of the more exciting tight ends. Uh, Kelvin Harmon down to a knee injury after his promi- uh, promising rookie season. Um, you've got Emmanuel Hall showed some promise, and he tears his AC- or his Achilles. Antonio Gandy Golden battled the hamstring injury. He was the fourth round pick, a big target. So you had you know Cam Smith, I'm sorry, Cam Sims, Steven Sims, and, and Isaiah Wright filling in. Uh, trio combined for you know, you know the, the three of them. Failed to, to equal the totals, you know, in receptions, yards, and touchdowns that Terry McLaurin put up by himself. Uh, I think Kadarius Toney, uh, that versatile playmaking ability, a guy that can stretch defenses, the route running, uh, does a little bit of everything, makes a ton of sense here. But I think in free agency, you can go after Juju Smith-Schuster, you know, Allen Robinson, Marvin Jones, uh, you know, Chris Godwin. Um, so I, I think Washington goes elsewhere with the pick. There's a chance that they could go tackle. Um, you know, with uh, you know, Drunk Christian and, and Cornelius Lucas, but I thought Lucas stepped up and played really well, uh, which allowed them to actually look at the defensive side of the football. Now, Cole Holcomb looks like he's a keeper, has the skill set to play either the Sam or the Mike. Uh, you know, John Bostic, the final year of his deal. Uh, you know, Ryan Anderson, Kevin Pierre Lewis, both free agents. Um, I think Cole Holcomb could potentially kick over if they decide to, to let John Bostic walk. Um, so Zayvon Collins makes a ton of sense. One of the most versatile defenders in this year's draft. If you listen to my podcast, any chance I get to talk about number 23 from Tulsa, I'm going to do it. Now, this guy has the speed to cover the field sideline to sideline despite weighing you know, 260 pounds. Um, tremendous blitzer, shows the hand usage. Uh, and flexibility to bend in a hurry to get to the quarterback dynamic in coverage as evidenced by his four interceptions uh, including that 96 yard walk-off pick to beat Tulane in overtime. Zayvon Collins to me is, is an impact linebacker. He can run in the four fives you know at 6'4", 260. I don't think he needs to shed weight. There are a lot of people that are concerned that he's a little bit too heavy. Look if you can run in the four fives weighing you know 6'4", 260 I'm not too worried about that. The Bears. So Bears sitting there at number 20. Could they go off with a tackle? You know, I think there's definitely a possibility. Uh, Charles Leno could they could potentially be a, a cap casualty here. Um, but uh, if ultimately Jalen Waddle, because you know I haven't mentioned him yet, if he falls to them, you know, the Bears need a receiver desperately, especially with uh, you know Allen Robinson coming off the board. And even if they make a play for one of the the aforementioned. Uh, free agent wideouts. I think they still need to get a guy that can stretch defenses. And look, you know, J- nobody does it better than Jalen Waddle, right? I mean, this is a guy that uh, they're at Alabama, uh, you know, multiple, uh, you know, touchdowns over 80 yards. Uh, just really that, that speedster, a guy that just, you know, you can see the speed. It just jumps off the charts. Um, you know, he, he's, he's com- drawing comparisons to Tyreek Hill. It just it makes way too much sense here for 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 Chicago to, to go with it. Now look, you could potentially you, know, you lose Allen Robinson, but you could potentially bring in a guy like say you know Juju Smith-Schuster and Jalen Waddle. And then you have you know Anthony Miller, and you have some other weapons there. Uh, you know the cupboard isn't completely bare, but you know it's very thin at the receiver position. Um, you've now solidified things. And look, if Chicago ultimately trades for for Carson Wentz, you know, you've given him some additional weapons uh, to go along with the running game that uh, Daniel, uh, I'm sorry, David Montgomery is leading there. Uh, I, I think you start putting some of those pieces together for Matt Nagy's offense. Um, so I think that makes a ton of sense as well. So those are my top 20 with my, my mock draft. Uh, and we're going to go ahead and call it quits. Um, I'm going to go ahead and put another mock draft. I'm sorry, another podcast together here in the in the next few days. We'll finish off uh, round number one, and then we'll start taking a look at you know round two as well. You know, where teams might look in round two. I already mentioned. I think Jacksonville is going to take a look at at an offensive tackle. Um, you know, what are they going to do with with Cam Robinson? They could potentially, you know, either, uh, you know, they could let him walk. You know, um, you know, I think the Jets need to find a pass rusher. I think Jason Owen makes a ton of sense. Um, you know, and Miami, they need to get bookend tackles to protect Tua. They could do it in round one, but I think they'll do it in round two. They can get a guy like Jalen Mayfield makes a ton of sense. 
um, you know, reuniting Terrace Marshall Jr. with, with Joe Burrow, uh, especially since A.J. Green's time in Cincy may be done. Uh, I think Carolina looks for an offensive tackle. I think Russell Okung, they'll move on from him. They'll re-sign Taylor Moten. Liam Eikenberg makes a ton of sense to me there as well. So those are just a few of the guys that we'll be talking about uh, there on day two. And uh, obviously we'll do picks 21 through 32 as well. Um, When you look at at 21, you've got the Indianapolis Colts. uh, Tennessee sitting there at 22. I, I think the Colts... If J.C. Horn is sitting there, you got to jump on him. Uh, Aziz Ojulari with the Titans makes a ton of sense. And then you get into the Jets and Jaguars. They have two of the next three picks after that. Uh, and so I, I think you know those are teams that are definitely going to continue to, to improve. Um, and you just hope that uh, you know, Urban Meyer with the Jags and Robert Sala and... Um, Joe Douglas can really retool things. And if look, if they keep Sam Darnold, you have to use the first round to land a couple of weapons. Not just one, get two weapons for him. You know, I, I think at the end of the day, um, you get an offensive lineman to block for him, first and foremost. Uh, and then you get a, I think you get a running back. I think you get, uh, you know, Travis Etienne. They need a running back. Frank Gore, look, you know, he's probably, you know, it, he maybe has another year left in him. It was kind of that, that, that Iron Man. You know, I think he's 38 years of age now. Um, you know, he may have one more year, but, uh, you know, I think you get that speedster, you know, Travis Etienne, over 100 career receptions. Um, makes a ton of sense there for New York. Um, and then you can potentially, look, you can get a receiver not only in free agency, but you're sitting at the top of round two. There are other receivers that are out there, from Nico Collins to Amon Ross St. Brown to you know, Rondell Moore. Uh, a lot of guys to consider. So I, I think those two teams, if they play it right, they can get a ton of guys that they'll be able to, the new head coaches will really be able to develop that team around. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see exactly how everything plays out. So we'll cover the rest of round number one, like I said, uh, picks 21 through 32. And we'll also take a look at round two um, on episode 19, which I said you know, we'll go ahead and put together in just a few days. Uh, so for readyforthedraft.com, this has been the Ready for the Draft podcast. I've been your host, Greg Schutz. Have a great week, everyone. Stay tuned for the next podcast. And until next time, I am out of here. Take care, everyone.